0: Okay, so as as a church, uh, we're really on a a forty a forty day journey, and I said last week that uh, forty has a significant um, presence in the scriptures. So often, lots of things happen in periods of forty. We saw uh, Moses; he went up the mountain uh, and received the law, and he was there for forty days and forty nights. Jesus, when before he starts his ministry, he, he goes into the wilderness, doesn't he, for a period of 40 days and 40 nights. And then when Jesus is resurrected, he, he spends a number of days with his disciples. He, in fact, he spends 40 days with his disciples, teaching them about the kingdom. And so there's this biblical precedent to sort of say uh, a, a time of reflection and investment 40 is A 40 is a helpful thing. And so that's... Uh, what we're doing. If you're on our mailing list, you would have been getting a, a daily um, sort of devotional. Can I just say I didn't write them, okay? Someone someone um, complimented me the other day, and I was like, it wasn't me. <laughs> um, I don't have enough time. Um, I would love to lay credit to that, but I don't know. We, we borrowed them from some other friends uh, who gladly gave them to us. So... Um, um, but hopefully some of you have been finding those helpful. The feedback I've been getting is that you found some of those things helpful uh, and to wake up to in the morning. So, um, yeah, we've got another, whatever it is, uh, 28 days or something like that. Um, I can't do the maths on the fly. Um, but really this 40-day period um, is, is really like a little bit of an investment for us as, as a church. You know, we're a, we're a church in transition. Uh, we've gone from being a church that's rented space for the last 10 years to owning property. Uh, as you can see, this place is slowly being transformed. Um, this is not just this building. We've got the lower floor as well, which will hold about 300 people. And so there's a lot of work to be done in this place. And there's, we're in a process of uh, transforming this place. And and as, as the fabric of this building gets transformed, I think as well there's a transformation going on for us as, as people. And so as, as this building is transformed and reshaped, uh, I think our prayer is, Lord, transform us too. That we would be a people who live transformed lives for the sake of transforming lives. And so we're using this time to be reflective. And um, we, um, we've been looking in some different directions. Okay, So last week we began by looking backward. And we were just reminding ourselves uh, that it's good to remember God's faithfulness, isn't it? That we, when we remember God's faithfulness to us in the past, it has the ability to um, kind of shape our trust for the future. Uh, that as we recall the deeds of, and the good things that God has done for us, we can begin to believe for the future. And I said, as a, as a church, you know, God has brought us this far. You know, uh, in, in October last year, we didn't have any money to buy this building. And um, within three weeks, we had the money to buy this building. Now now we're in a position where we've got no money to renovate it. <laughs> um, and so we just have to trust, don't we, that has God's been faithful to us in the past... He'll be faithful again. And, and, and so this week, um, we're going to be looking inward and um, kind of examining ourselves, looking at our own hearts and lives in the midst of transition. And so if you've got a Bible, uh, why don't you turn to Psalm 23? This is probably the most famous portion of scripture. Uh, other than John 3:16 at the Olympics, um, um, Psalm 23 uh, is probably the scripture that most people know. The Lord is my shepherd. I I look through my uh, sermon archives, and I think I've preached on this passage about three times in my I don't know, 14, 15, 16 years of doing this kind of thing. Um, and each time, there's something new to say. But what I'm conscious of is that um, when we look at a familiar portion of Scripture, we can, we can sometimes miss it, can't we? We can sometimes take it for granted, particularly passages of Scripture that we can quote verbatim. Um, we, we can miss uh, what the Lord might say. And so let's, let me pray uh, before we jump in and pray that God would just open up this passage to us again. So Father, we just... Um, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you uh, that you're at work in our lives, Lord, that you're, you're doing so much in and around us, Lord. And Father, I just pray that um, you would just open up your word to us this morning, that Lord, we would have something fresh from you this morning, Lord. Father, remind us again of your faithfulness, of your, your kindness, your goodness, Lord. And come and be Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Am I okay? Because I feel like I'm going quiet. Sorry? Well, this one, yeah. Can I have the handout? Because I'll trip over. Is that better? Hey, hey. So, Psalm 23, let's, um, let's read this together. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack for nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the dark valley, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table. Before me, in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now this psalm is... A psalm written by King David, and um, David, as you many of you know, was responsible for writing much of the psalms. Um, but before he was a king, he was a shepherd. And uh, David, he um, he kind of uses the imagery of shepherding in this psalm very clearly. And and actually, for people who live in the 21st century, that's sometimes hard for us to. Uh, kind of grasp, isn't it? We can miss some of the imagery of what's going on here because, you know, primarily we don't live and work in a, in a kind of farming or agricultural, uh, environment. Some of you do, I know, but, um, primarily many of us kind of, kind of miss that. And, and we don't fully, I think, appreciate the, the relationship that exists, uh, between a shepherd uh, and his sheep, and so, as a shepherd uh, it was david 's job wasn 't it to to protect uh, the sheep um, uh, to protect them from danger from predators at night? He would have probably slept amongst the flock um, there was this this closeness they had a, a sense of ownership uh, as a shepherd um, he would be uh, aware of. Every single sheep. If one of them went astray, he would notice. If if one was in trouble, um, he'd be there. And see, for a shepherd, uh, these these sheep were more than just an economic investment. You know, they were more than I'm going to get some nice food from this, or I'm going to be able to sell these, or anything like. That. It was it was more than that. I guess, I guess the closest example that we have to shepherding and sheep, uh, is the relationship we have with our pets. As some of you know, um, uh, as a family, we've entered into pet ownership, <laughs> um, and, uh, Rolo entered our lives, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, when, when Rolo entered our lives, the condition was that I would have, um, zero involvement in his life. And the problem is, is he's just too cute. Um, and so he's reeled me in. Uh, he's, he's got me. And uh, so, you know, we've had him for just over two weeks and um, he kept us awake for the first week. He's pooed on the carpet. He's constantly stealing my socks. Um, but I take a bullet for him because he's got me he's 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 reeled me in with all his puppiness um, but we get like that, don't we, with pets, whether it's dogs or any cat people here, a few cat people here, you know goldfish, uh maybe not goldfish, but something happens got a goldfish something happens doesn't it when we we um we get connected to these animals in our lives. And, and, and that's the kind of relationship that a shepherd had with his, with his sheep. And so David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. And when we hear that, we can know it's more than just a hired hand to look after livestock, it's a it's a declaration of a bond. It's it's a it's a closeness, it's a it's an intimate relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and he knows each one of us by name. He knows when we go astray, he, he knows where we're in trouble. He's, he's the kind of shepherd that, that leaves the 99 to go after the one. Jesus, Jesus continues this metaphor in John 10. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so when we have a good shepherd, a good shepherd that knows us and cares for us intimately, David says we lack for nothing. In the older translations of the Bible, it says, I shall not be in want. When we follow the shepherd, he helps us overcome um, the discontentment in our lives. A.W. Tozer, the, the famous... Uh, pastor from the last century said this, he said, the reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfere with God's work within us. And so the overriding message of this famous psalm, this famous passage of scripture, is there's only one shepherd. There's only one shepherd who truly knows who we are and truly wants to lead us to a place of satisfaction, wants to lead us to a place of rest with him. And the next verse, it says this, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and he refreshes my soul. Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but David says, that he makes me lie down he makes me lie down it kind of reminds me with our kids you know we our kids whenever you want to put them to bed they never want to go to bed i don't know if you've ever you've got children like that but we've got children like that you just say it's time for bed no i don't want to go to bed but actually as good parents as a good dad i make my children go to bed not because i've had enough of them but because It's good for them, isn't it? Because if they're going to thrive, if they're going to survive, if they're going to do well, they need to rest. And it says the shepherd, in, in this psalm, he makes me, he makes me lie down. And so we have this imagery of a good parent who makes their kids lie down because they know what's best for them. And sometimes God will lead us to places where he forces us to lie down. He forces us to come to the end of, the, to end of ourselves. He, he brings us to a place where he makes us rest because we've failed to rest ourselves. And so the challenge is, as Jesus says in, in Matthew 21 and verse 44, he says, fall on the rock and be broken or the rock will fall on you and grind you to powder and so we can we can rest willingly can't we (laughs) or we can be forced to rest unwillingly because God will often lead us to a place of brokenness before him for the benefit of our own souls And you see a key ingredient to an interior life, a key ingredient to to thriving is to have a healthy soul. For our souls to be healthy. And some of us might think, well, what is a soul? You know, what 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 is a soul? Dallas Willard, he he defines it this way he says, Whatever's running your life at any given moment is your soul. It's not external circumstances or your thoughts or your intentions, or even your feelings, but your soul. The soul is the aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. The soul is the life center of a human being. And so the most basic definition of a soul is that thing that makes you, you. You know, the soul isn't some kind of like ghostly apparition of you that leaves you when you die. But your soul is the thing that defines your personhood, your mind, your body, your spirit. Dallas Willard, he goes on to say the soul is the capacity to integrate all the parts. So all the parts of who you are, your soul integrates them together into a single whole Life and the kind of God that we follow is is one who who wants to care for our soul. You know, the reality is, is, He knows us better than we know ourselves, doesn't He? He knows us, He knows us in a way that goes beyond our understanding, and He promises us rest and refreshment for our soul the very core of who we are and so I'm guessing the challenge is, is that in a in a culture that's always moving do we do we become people who, who rest voluntarily or do we end up being forced to rest and maybe this morning you know we can say Lord make me lie down in green pastures <laughs> Lord, I need rest for my soul. I need refreshment for my soul. You know, one of the things I've learned in, in recent years is that um, there's always stuff for me to do. There's always stuff for me to do, and there's always stuff that needs doing. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, you know, I, I kind of get in this perpetual cycle. I'm sure I did this yesterday. I'm sure I did this the day before. But there's always stuff to be done, isn't there? And, and the reality is is that whether I keep doing it or whether I don't, it's still going to need to be done. And so can we afford sometimes to say, okay, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop and I'm going to rest. I'm going to stop and put this aside. And so could it be that today that God is calling us as people back into a place of rest? back into a place of rest with him. Verse 3 and 4 continues, He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, David makes it clear here that uh, even when we're in the darkest place, God is with us. And it's his rod and his staff that comfort us. Now, I don't know if you, you kind of struggle with that kind of metaphor. I do a little bit that, you know, when you think about a rod, it, it sounds like a harsh thing, doesn't it? It sounds like he's going to beat us uh, <laughs> with, with his rod. And, and we kind of have this imagery that he, the shepherd used the rod to to control out-of-line sheep. <laughs> and... um but that isn't the case. A shepherd's rod was used, um was kind of like a short stick that was used to fend off attackers. And so when the sheep were in danger from predators, the shepherd uh would would use his rod to to fight off bears and and, and wolves on that. It's like shepherding ninjas. You know, they they had this ability to, to, to fight them off. And so the rod is not, is not a tool of, of punishment, but it's a tool of protection. And God is protecting us. And what about the staff? Now, a staff was a, a longer stick with a hook on the end. And um, the staff would be used for when the sheep wandered off. If they, they wandered out of the flock and the shepherd would put the hook around their, their leg and pull them back in, pull them back into the flock And so the rod and the staff, it comforts us because they're tools of protection and direction. And so we can trust, can't we, that he'll protect us in in more ways than we could imagine and that he will direct us in ways that we, we don't even know. And so if we find ourselves walking through a dark valley, if we find ourselves uh, in in those moments where St. John of the Cross says, "A, a dark night of the soul, according to this psalm, we can take comfort. We can take comfort because God is there protecting us and directing us more than any of us could imagine. How many of us have been through Really tough situations. We've been through the mill. And we've got through the other end and we're like, I don't know how I did that. Anybody ever had that experience? I don't know how I got through that. I really believe that's the Lord's protection. That's him using his rod and his staff to comfort us in the midst of pain. And then he goes on, he says, Even though I walk through the dark valley. You see, if you're walking in hard times, if you're experiencing the darkness of the soul, the promise is, is you'll get through it. It's not forever. There's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Every day is one less day in the darkness because we're walking through. It says, even though I walk through the dark valley, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. I don't know if you notice what he does there, but he says, he says, you. You know, this psalm starts off, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And he talks about God in the third person. But when he gets to the darkness, when he gets to the, the hard times, it isn't the Lord was with me. It's you're with me. You are with me. And so there's a sense of intimacy in those moments of darkness. You know, if you're facing challenge, if you're unsure what's happening right now, if, you know, you don't have to talk about it, you know, and you don't have to talk to God about it in the third person. You can talk to him directly. It's, it's personal. If you're in that in that valley, in that hard place, then according to the scriptures, he's, he's right there. With you. He's in that place with you. C. S. Lewis says we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And then verse 5, he says, You prepare a table. Before me in the presence of my enemies. And what does that mean? What, what does that mean? What does that conjure up? Well, in these times when two nations went to war, one of the things that happened when the, the conquering nation, uh, the conquering army, they would find the highest ranking person that they've that been fighting, maybe a general or a king. And what they would do is they they would bind that person and then um, they would consume all their defeated enemy's resources in front of them. And it was a way of displaying defeat. So what's God doing when this psalmist says this? What he's saying is, is, I'm going to take the work of the enemy and I'm going to use it for good. We sang it this morning, didn't we? He's gonna prepare a table for us in in the presence of the ones who have tried to bring us down. He's gonna take our pain, he's gonna take our disappointment, our hurt, and he's gonna turn the tables. One story in the old testament that kind of signifies this is the, the story of of Joseph. You know, he's the youngest of of his brothers and his brothers don't like him very much and so they they sell him off into slavery and to cut a very long story short this 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 boy sold into slavery becomes the prime minister of Egypt and years and years later his his homeland where his brothers still are is going through a famine and they decide to go to Egypt for help and, um, and, and these brothers, they come before Joseph, not realizing who it is. And he reveals himself to them. And he says this in Genesis 50. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, what the enemy attend, intends to harm us with, God intends for good. Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. And how many times have we seen that to be true? How many times have we seen God take painful, horrible situations and work them for good? Many of us have, have stories like that. Many of us have tales to tell. The problem is, is when we face new pain, when the, when the enemy closes in on us for an, a second time or a third time, we sometimes forget what God has done. But it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So he takes our stories of pain and he turns them into stories of healing. He takes our stories of brokenness And he turns them into stories of beauty. He he takes our stories of defeat and he turns them into stories of, of victory. God turns the tables. He turns the tables. And so even though we walk through darkness, even though we can walk through valleys, even though we can have those moments where there's a darkness in our souls, David says, You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the promise is, is I will dwell in God's house forever. Not when this is over, but right now. In the place of pain, God is with me. In the place of pain, God is still blessing me. In in the place of pain, God is still bringing goodness and mercy into my life. In the place of pain, the goodness of God is hunting me down. And you know, many of us in this season are going through pain, disappointment. Some of us are grieving loss. Some of us have a huge sense of brokenness going on in our lives. And I just want to reassure you a little bit this morning, and that is we still have hope. Whatever happens, however long we find ourselves in these places, we still have hope. And maybe there are things that we've given ourselves to that haven't worked out how we planned. Maybe there's people that we've invested in and they've let us down. Maybe we've given ourselves to something and it's just crashed down around us and we, we don't know what to do. And the writer of Hebrews says this, he says, We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. See, our hope is in him. And so you might be in pain. You might be in a a place that's dark and painful at this moment. But we don't face pain without hope. And we're assured of a hope. So maybe you are disappointed, maybe you're afraid or uncertain. But there's still hope. There's still hope. And so how do we how do we apply this to our lives this morning? How does what does this mean for us individually? What does it mean for us as a church? I guess in many ways, just as we are you know ripping apart this building. And 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 renovating and renewing what was here, I believe in many ways, um, many of us are experiencing that kind of thing on a personal level too. That there's there's stuff in our hearts and lives that that needs some renovation, that needs to be renewed. That there's 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 walls that need knocking down. <laughs> there's there's new doorways that need opening, and so maybe there's um there's a change in season for you in this moment. maybe um there's some things that you've put security in, and they're feeling a little bit shaken right now. maybe some old ways of behaving, and the Lord's saying it, that's enough. I don't want you to behave that way anymore. Maybe some old ways of thinking. And the Lord saying, you need to think differently. And, you know, in many ways, as we face these things, I think the Lord is being really good to us. You know, this building in so many ways is, is a prophetic thing, isn't it? There's, there's something to be said that, you know, the Lord could have took us anywhere. The good shepherd could have taken us anywhere. But he decides to put us in a building that's on Sheep Street. And so even the most cynical amongst us may believe that that God's saying something, He's He's doing something in our in our midst that He is the good shepherd and he wants the best for us. He wants the best for us. He tends to his sheep, he tends to his flock. He, he has his rod and his staff and it brings comfort to us. And we have an assurance that in the season of transition, in a season where things are being torn down and being rebuilt, where, where things are being renovated and changed, we have, we have an assurance of his protection and direction. And so, when the enemy comes and he tells us his lies and and tells us, you know, all the negative things, we have an assurance of that God is at work. And so, I want to I want to kind of ask a few of you to be brave this morning, and um, and just take a step. And um, I think I think there might be a couple of different things. There might be some of you here this morning who, um, maybe you are journeying towards Jesus. Um, and maybe you you know in your own hearts, maybe you've been around church for a long time, but you know in your own heart uh, you haven't fully surrendered to the good shepherd of your life. And then I also think there might be another group of people who... Um, you know you, you know that you're in that valley you know god is taking you through that valley experience and and your 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 assurance in that place has been knocked you you know you're just not sure what's going on what's the lord doing why why is this happening to me and in some ways you've forgotten what the lord has said that He's with you, he's protecting you, there's there's hope, you're you're walking through, you're not staying here. And so if if you're either of those things, I just I just wanted to invite you to stand.